0: season one episode seven of the grave consequences podcast i am caleb b and that is where you can follow me on twitter i you can also follow the show on twitter at gc underscore cast hit up our gmails uh hit us with feedback constructive criticism again everything except dick pics send all of that to the grave consequences podcast at gmail.com and and i am joined as always by the one the only the man known as maserati today is october 8 the day we're reviewing this um maz how are you today my man
1: doing pretty good man works over um i enjoyed the episode that we're about to review uh life's good i guess how are you doing you,
0: you enjoyed it more than me i'm doing great man i mean i told you all the day so Some of y'all know uh, already. uh, Of course, by the time this comes out, we could already be eliminated from the next round. But the Braves have moved on to the NLCS. This is the first time they've made the pennant in 19 years. I was seven years old the last time they were there. Um, So I am very excited for that. I'm going to be completely honest, and you might hear it throughout the episode. I was not big on this episode. There were were parts of, of the show that I really enjoyed. But... Other parts of this really dragged on, and it just took me out of it to a degree, to be completely transparent with you guys. So today we're reviewing Season 1, Episode 7 of Lucha Underground. The title of the episode is Top of the Ladder. This, of course, in reference to the main event, three-way ladder match. First thing we see, though, after the recap, first thing we see inside the temple, Trejo! Machete! That's quite. That's this is the first celebrity cameo in the crowd. What did you think of seeing Danny Trejo in the temple?
1: First thing I thought of about was uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a guilty pleasure movie or if it's genuinely a good movie because I never hear anyone talking about it. But I remember when Johnny Depp asked him in Once Upon a Time in Mexico if he's a Mexican or a Mexican. And that's the first thing I always think of.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's great, man. I, I, of course, remember him as Machete and uh, as like a character actor. I was like, oh, if you need a... Hard looking Mexican
1: uh older gentleman. Iron Dan
0: Trejo. And he gets a also... lot of
1: those roles, man. He got he got so popular in in that typecasting that he was actually in one of the I consider it a wrestling game, but Def Jam Fight for New York. He's in that. Amazing. Amazing.
0: And oh he was in Rob Zombie's Halloween. He got killed by Michael. Oh, was he? Yeah. I don't remember that. He was like the guard at the
1: uh Oh yeah, he the was guard janitor. At the
0: janitor been bin that yeah, was, was like always nice to michael Tried to make a friend to him like it's one of those kills where you're like oh you really got to kill this guy
1: yeah they they make a pretty good case that he's basically empty on the inside and that's why he's a killer and his you know dad was rob zombie who was a dick
0: <laughs> yeah anyway enough about that freaking hack director rob zombie let's talk about king cuerno versus the debuting in lucha underground superfly this Match for the most part was a squash.
1: Man, did you notice that it was very one sided? Uh, very one sided match to I maybe mean, I guess they're making up for the fact that Cuerno lost the first match he debuted in, but uh, it was pretty one sided, definitely. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely, man. Uh, I did notice, yeah, because uh, Superfly had trouble getting uh, advantages. He nailed a, a head scissor on Cuerno, but Cuerno very quickly took control back, and, and you know that was just one snuffing out of the comeback there. And Cuerno later does a sick, just flat-footed standing drop kick, like it was beautiful.
1: Cuerno is one of my favorite wrestlers in Lucha Underground, bar none. Uh, very underrated, and his 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 fighting style in the ring is it's just funny. It reminds me of like I know he's uh, he who shall not be named, but. You remember how vicious uh, Chris Benoit was in the ring, how s- stiff and s- and how snappy his moves were. and that's what Cuerno reminds me of with his style. And it's you know it's violent and ruthless, and it's you know it's refreshing to see someone just go in there and just whoop some ass, like almost like Mill.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Like Cuerno is very refreshing. He kind of reminds me of Santos Escobar for some reason.
1: I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> by Ooh, the way uh
0: in a on the, the, hey, who knows on a serious note though how was uh santos and uh swerve from takeover
1: uh well i know everyone else liked it and we'll i'll probably edit this out so i don't get crucified but
0: I, well, oh, no keep it in keep it in i'll take the hate for you it's no big deal
1: i don't know if you can do that but i and i you know me dude i i love swerve i've told you before that my one of my favorite matches involves him and another wrestler, uh, AR Fox that comes up in I think the third season. It's like an insane match. I remember I even tweeted solo monster saying like, Hey, have you seen this match? And it's one of those few times people respond to you. He's like, no. And I was like, you need, you, you need to watch this match. And he even mentioned it on the air, like how crazy it was. Uh, Cause it is a crazy match, but I don't know. Maybe I'm going to go back and rewatch it. Maybe I was in a bad mood, but it just did not seem like the best match for either of them. Uh, And I know people were saying that the ending was botched. Uh, The ending didn't really bother me because you don't really want to... I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, they kind of make it look like there was an injury. But it just did not seem like the best match. I I just feel like I've seen way better in Lucha Underground between the two of them. And to be fair, there's a lot of editing in Lucha Underground in the matches, but... Uh, it wasn't a bad match. I just remember everyone else in the in the group chat was, you know, loving this pay-per-view, and I enjoyed it, but I just did not, I uh, I wasn't feeling it as much as everyone else.
0: Hmm. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, I also noticed during the match on commentary, I believe it was Vampiro mentions, after I believe Superfly does the in-and-out that Mysterio does on the 619, you know, when he's hitting boots-to-faces, uh, that was actually in, because I didn't know. I I didn't think Mysterio just created the move. That move was created by Super Astro back in the day for what it's worth.
1: Yeah. I mean, the announcers, we, we're going to give, we give them a lot of crap. Deservedly. So I believe like, especially Vampiro mm-hmm. and Met Striker early on, but yeah. they do drop some like pretty cool, like, you know, fun facts with, uh, about Lucha wrestling, like, uh, history, um, about different wrestlers and f- even fighters. Sometimes that's really cool. Uh, We just get on their case when they just say nonsense or they just outright lie. But, yeah, they dropped some pretty cool and interesting facts, and this was one of them.
0: Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention that early on we see Drago perched from the roof of Dario Cueto's office, stalking King Cuerno like King Cuerno did to Drago a few weeks back. This has no effect on the match, of course, because King Cuerno is just too much of a warrior for Superfly. Fuerno nails his Michinoku driver, which, by the way, I was mistaken, is at this point not called the Thrill of the Hunt. It's called the Big Game. But he hits that Michinoku driver on the Aztec seal while looking right at Drago for the 1, the 2, and the 3. And that that is a statement win if ever there was one.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if you would rate this match highly. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it's it's hard to rate. like uh, it, it, it is crazy. hard to
0: rate. I'm sorry to cut you off. It is hard to rate because it's too one-sided.
1: Yeah, because uh, you, you don't really see – it's one of those matches where the other guy is not kind of allowed to show everything he can do because Superfly is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not like a – he's not the ace of the company by any means. That's Phoenix, but – our Puma maybe. Uh, it's arguable. Yeah. Because uh, I, re- I really don't know who it is between the two of them, but he can do better than what you saw in this. He just was—he had to go in there and lose. You could tell, like it's like, okay, make look, make corno look like a, a freaking god, and he, yeah. and he, in that way, he's good at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely uh shown out as an enhancement talent for sure. Uh, but right yeah. after this match, we get a vignette for Pentagon Junior. This is basically like a background on the the Pentagon character. It mentions he grows up in Mexico where he was he was fighting a little bit. But to truly become a warrior, he had to go to Japan and he couldn't use weapons. So he had to learn how to fight with just his hands. And he had mentioned, you know, the way of the samurai, you know, not everyone was afforded this opportunity. So he had to go learn the dark arts on his own. And I love that, like for the we see Pentagon training here like a badass, of course, this vignette is the first time we see Pentagon break an arm in the series. The first of many, by the way.
1: Yes, it becomes a, a staple of his. And you know, it wouldn't be terrible if he brought it back in AEW. Uh, you know, put people on the sidelines with some broken arms. This is, this is the part where they start showing how effective his vicious style was. I, I, they weren't able to show it because if you break someone's arm, they can't do anything else. So uh, he hasn't been able to show that while fighting Phoenix. Uh, but it's coming up. He's going to start fucking some people up. Yeah, absolutely, man.
0: So next up after this, we had the Pentagon vignette. We are shown Pentagon accompanying Chavo Guerrero Jr. to the ring for his match against Phoenix, was co- accompanied by Sexy Star. So it looks like that feud is still continuing, um, unfortunately, for everyone besides Chavo. Um <laughs> I noticed, and you noticed as well, the crowd was split here. They were chanting, let's go Chavo, let's go Phoenix. And I chalk that up to just a familiarity with Chavo Guerrero. Like, Chavo Guerrero has the WWE, the WCW clout, so we've got a respect for him. But, my God, looking back back on this with 2020 vision, pun intended, this looked bad on the crowd's part, (laughs) as it were.
1: I, you know, what, even back then, uh, when I was watching Ucha Underground, I just don't understand, uh, why this could have been 50 50 for Chavo. Because Chavo just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with him as a wrestler, but Phoenix is, yeah. I mean, we've already established Phoenix is awesome. <laughs> He's, him and Puma are, are some of the best in the, in the promotion at this point. What's Chavo going to do against him? Like, I mean, Chavo hasn't really. He does some moves I like in this match, and I was telling you about that before we started recording that I've respected uh, and loved, but, you know, cheering for him, uh, he's the heel one. So I'm thinking maybe it was a smart crowd, uh, and they were just, yeah, I think that's the only uh, non-insane answer to this as to why because i just wrote down it was blasphemy i was like what what's going on I, I, is it is it piped in is it one of those effects where they <laughs> added in afterwards because i don't see how you do that
0: yeah oh by the way i noticed during this match and it hasn't happened a lot if at all so far in the series but vampiro is calling this match like a traditional heel color commentator did you notice that as well
1: oh crap, I forgot to write that, but I did notice that. I, I was like, oh, he's supposed to be an asshole. Uh, that's why he, he's terrible. Like,
0: he's actively rooting for Chavo to win throughout the match, which he's never done before.
1: No, I think they might have actually sat him down and were like, okay, uh, you need to be, you can't tell him he's a piece of crap <laughs> during interviews and be the good guy. You gotta, you gotta actually put the heels over Vampiro. <laughs> Not yourself. <laughs> his meds that day i don't know but yeah i definitely know God. yeah he was doing his job as a, as a you know uh commentator for once and not just being like putting himself over at the expense of other people
0: yeah i noticed and this match was a lot of leg work. um i noticed chavo got him in the single leg crab single leg boston crab phoenix had to crawl 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 for the rope pentagon pulled it back but to no avail because literally Three seconds later, Phoenix gets the rope anyway. So that kind of made me chuckle. Later, I think immediately, like, not immediately after, but shortly after, uh, Chavo takes Phoenix's legs and wraps him around the ring post and, again, slams that, that already hurt left leg into the ring post. So, again, even more legwork. Did you notice Phoenix's weird, I don't even know what you call it. It was just like a pure, like, corkscrew onto the Rudos on the outside.
1: I wrote it down as a uh, corkscrew uh, crossbody.
0: Okay, that that works, yeah, it works, yeah. That's the only way I know Short how to describe up. it. Oh, a uh, tope. Yeah, yeah.
1: Corkscrew, corkscrew tope.
0: Yeah, that's uh, one way to describe it for sure. I also noticed Phoenix goes to dive in to probably hit another crossbody on the inside of the ring shortly after this, but eats a dropkick for his troubles and it was a really beautiful
1: drop kick. i will say that yeah that was the move i, I really loved of uh chavos because it had it, it just looked awesome and it really like it sounded great and it looked like it just messed him up it was you know it was different than his normal wrestling i i it, it was like a genuine high spot it wasn't like wwe wrestling which i which i liked
0: <laughs> oh by the way Chavo, uh chavito hooks the leg and matt striker puts that over
1: yeah, I, I, you know how I feel about that. I don't know how legitimate it is, but yeah, they're sticking with it.
0: I don't know. I've never bumped before or uh, done any shoot grappling, so I, I honestly wouldn't know. Me either. Uh, later I on in the match, yeah, I'm not sure, but later on in the match, Sexy Star, I believe, inadvertently distracts the ref, or er, the referee is looking at Chavo Guerrero, and sexy star sexy's on the outside all the while phoenix is on the top rope he gets um tripped by his brother pentagon and taken off of the top rope and chavo nails a frog splash and chavo just beat phoenix so two weeks in a row the lucha brothers taking pens man
1: it's uh crazy I I guess I even blocked it out of my memory because I didn't even write that down. I, I was here sitting here thinking like, Oh yeah, that's the one Phoenix won. And you just reminded me, no. You did. I mean, it was a cool looking frog splash. It was there was nothing wrong with yeah. that phoenix. It it's just, you know It was a
0: beautiful frog splash for sure.
1: Yes, it it was well done. You know, it put him out I kinda like that a frog splash won a match. usually wrestlers do like a uh, you know, so many wrestlers do the frog splash in memory of him, but they never pin anyone I kinda hate that.
0: Well, so typically I... the rule is unless you're Eddie Guerrero or Rob Van Dam, you don't win a match with a frog splash.
1: Is it really? I would think it would be more of an honor to win the match with their move.
0: No, I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying that just doesn't happen in wrestling.
1: Is that the reason why? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Oh, OK. I thought you like had insider knowledge as to why. No, no. <laughs>
0: I, no dude, I'm a I'm a Mizark like you are, man. Oh, I, thank got, God. I got no insider info on here.
1: I mean, it would make sense if that's the reason. I just genuinely, I'm like, okay, frog splice, They're not going to pin them. And it should be, I mean, I would like, I like what, I kind of like it. Like, this is why I like stardom. James got me into stardom. People will get pinned from like a tiger driver or a tiger suplex or a clothesline or, you know. Because uh, if you got hit with those moves, like it would hurt. You know, why yeah. can't it pin you? I like it when regular yeah. pin people.
0: Well, it's not only that, like, but the Tiger Driver and the Michinoku Driver and even the Frog Splash, they may even be described as quote-unquote regular moves, but one, they look cool. Two, they look like they would actually hurt. And three, for some reason in North America,
1: they just never win off of those. It just doesn't happen. And and you know what? They're not even regular moves. There are They are. Every move in wrestling is a move that would hurt you if it happened in the streets. Exactly. Like if someone... If someone did a vertical suplex, the thing that no one ever gets pinned out of, you would, you could break your back, you could break a hip. You, I mean, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt real bad.
0: If you took a clothesline on the street, you'd be, like, coughing up blood for the next— If you took a shoot clothesline, you'd be at least on the borderline of coughing up blood.
1: I remember as a kid, there was, like, this rumor—I'm not sure how true it is—but some kid clotheslined their— uh, brother or something our friend because they were watching a rick flair match uh and they did a, a clothesline and they hit him in the neck and they broke his neck i mean Oof. i don't know how true yeah i'm pretty sure that's a true story but you know it, it, these moves i think when you do all these moves and they don't uh they don't put someone away it does damage to how imfa- impactful the move is like in in new japan uh you know the common thing that people would talk about like i remember jeremy and uh josh we're talking about jeff cobb how he's in the g1 he does all these big moves but he, he wasn't winning so he wasn't really getting over well if you're the monster and you do like a monster move and it doesn't pin someone what are you like your moves you're you're basically what are you weak why didn't that move if i do yeah. like a double power bomb and you don't get pinned um what's happening <laughs> how how did you put him down to lately? like if i do a tour of the islands and you don't get pinned what's the deal yeah, you know, that, yeah that's your whole gimmick that's... is that you're you do power imagine cage not putting people away with some of the stuff he does would be like all right well yeah. you're you're a big strong guy but it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah
0: that's great no like i completely understand where you're coming from but i just don't get why we're spending so much time on jeff cobb on a lucha underground podcast that doesn't make sense to me man yeah there's um, nothing
1: to tie back for it. I, I apologize for that
0: why why the hell would we talk about jeff cobb on here Um, (laughs) right after, so right after the match, Sexy Star grabs a microphone. She says, hey, hey, he's back for you. He's coming back for you, pendejo, which I looked it up.
1: That means stupid. It's worse than stupid, but basically, yes. That's what Google
0: translated it to.
1: That's what it literally means. But if a girl calls you pendejo, there's like, it's, uh, there's some added like insult to it. Like, it's one of those things okay. where someone, yeah, it's like, it's, it means that, but it's worse. Like, it's disrespect. It's like, you are a stupid piece of yeah. crap. Pinches so, after,
0: after, yeah, yeah. So, we had a vignette for the man they call Cage. Here's what I wrote down. He's strong. I'm not a man, I'm a machine. They call me Cage. That's not what i got out of this but i know what's coming and i'm very excited
1: it's the promo it gets right to the point their their uh packages are great yes we, we got are. two of them yes they are we got pentagon and we got cage and they're both pretty awesome uh packages i mean we i know we talked about mundos not being that great but uh these were yeah no
0: i i absolutely agree um which cage was like one of my first favorites in Lucha underground. So I'm very excited to see, cause I just love the way he debuts too, man. Like it's an iconic debut in professional wrestling. As far as I'm concerned,
1: I can't wait to see it again. Cause I, I, have to re- I don't remember it. Ooh, it's, it's
0: a star making moment. In my opinion, I want to talk about the main event, but before we do de- do that, let's talk about something else real quick. Folks, Today's episode of the Grave Consequences Podcast is brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. Go to that link on your Google machine. Find every bit of Social Suplex Podcast Network swag you could ever dream of. You will not regret making that purchase. And now, let's go to the main event. All right, so time for the main event. This is a three-way ladder match between Johnny Mundo, Prince Puma, and Big Rick. One thing I noticed... Okay, Big Rick is built from the City of Angels. Johnny Mundo, I believe, is built from Hollywood, California, if I'm not mistaken. Thanks. So. And Prince Puma is built from Boyle Heights. Fun fact literally, all three of these places are in LA.
1: I was, yeah, I was just thinking that as you were saying that. Uh, it's not that far apart.
0: <laughs> well, the City of Angels is literally just a nickname for LA. So. I mean, that kind of cracked me up. Uh, Also, and I don't want to go over play-by-play because I want people to see this match because even though I thought it dragged a little in certain parts, there were other things that I really want you all to see, like Big Rick being a monster, Big Rick. By the way, at one point, Big Rick gorilla presses Prince Puma from inside the ring through a ladder that was positioned from a table to the apron of the ring. And it breaks. Yeah, it was hardcore. Uh, it reminded me of, if you remember Money in the Bank 2011. Sheamus did a Irish cross or Irish curse backbreaker to Sin Cara. That, that was his
1: write-off for a suspension. Reminded me of. Sounds like an ECW because that looked like it sucked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, I did mention, oh, by the way, Vampiro at one point accidentally, or on purpose, says Man Mountain Rick, which reminded me of the best 1990s wrestling gimmick. Uh, What was that? That's Man Man Mountain Rock, as it were. Look it up, folks.
1: I'll check it out.
0: Yeah. The
1: only Um, thing I noticed on the commentary was when, uh, and I was going to tell you this, where matt Stryker said even though the briefcase is an airbrush you can tell it's important because it's been above the ring dude. the whole time dude yeah that was shade at wwe i mean
0: uh okay and like i'm not here to be a like, dude talk bad about wwe
1: like but sometimes it just comes off as like insecure well when you build yourself up by cutting other people's down even though wwe is punching up you know when someone builds themselves up by punching or cutting someone else down it to me, I notice it because uh, you see that a lot in gyms. Like if you go to a boxing gym or uh, you go to any kind of martial arts, if, if the place is bringing themselves up by cutting other dis- disciplines down or other nearby gym, gyms, there's either a rivalry or they're not as good as they say they are because they're almost insecure about it. I, I don't like that because it's a, it's a bad sign when people do that.
0: Yeah. So I noticed throughout this match... Um... They were going to inspire the James Ellsworth finish from Money in the Bank 2017 because Big Rick was content having the crew climb the ladders for him. Because, surprise, surprise, someone the size of Big Rick weighing 300 pounds at least <laughs> on these rickety ladders is not going to turn out very well.
1: Dude, I'm short and I'm I'm pretty light. I'm like 145 pounds and I don't trust ladders. <laughs> I thought that was smart. No, yeah. Yeah, I hate ladders. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> i thought that was genius on his part like why not there's no rule against it okay matt
0: Stryker did something i really like it it always makes me cringe Mm. so he referred to big rick as the urban thing i hated that he did here what he did here he did the old like oh i don't know if i can say black so i'll just say urban instead like come on dude
1: It shows you, I think this Lucha is a product of its time where, like, back then, I think if you were a, uh, unfortunately, if you were a black fighter, you had to be from the hood back then. Like, we're talking, what year was this out? Um, 2014. I think we were still stuck in that mentality where, like, if, you know, I think anyone that was big and tough, you had to be from the hood. There's no other way for you to be big and tough. Nowadays, you know, you don't have to be from the hood. Like, your character doesn't have to be from that. But, you know, he's got the gangster yeah, motif, yeah. you know, he's got the I need it in cash, you know, gimmick. And it's it's played out already at this point, I think. And yeah. I don't know. I hate yeah. that term urban. Too. Oh, one more but, thing. OK,
0: it's it is. It's just one of those like, oh, I'm too afraid to say black. So I'll just say urban instead. Like, chill. <laughs> just just don't say urban. Some things are better left unsaid. Yeah, I agree. oh my god i i noticed that big rick hits a uranagi right on the aztec seal so again more more finishers on the aztec seal hits that on mundo later on big rick takes two ladders he's gonna climb two ladders mundo not having it
1: mundo
0: I, did you notice mundo shaking the ladders as he was climbing
1: i thought that was an awesome touch because you could tell it, it did in like it and he was doing it to make them off balance i like i like i like little things in fights that make sense like uh earlier in this in the superfly versus corno match uh corno does a shoulder bump to push superfly back i think uh so he could run back against the ropes to create space i like little things in in wrestling matches that make sense almost in real fights but they're just little tiny things that you know uh you won't notice unless you're paying attention Uh, i love stuff like that
0: yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So eventually, Mundo ends up crotch- using the ladders to crotch Big Rick and gain some clearance here. But then this guy comes out in mm, camouflage cargo shorts. That's what I was trying to say. Camouflage cargo shorts, random black shirt, and a mask. look like a Pentagon mask. Started attacking Mundo. And then he runs off, directs traffic for the Rudos, the, the crew, and, and Big Rick again. I noticed Johnny um, was trying to get in the ring. Big Rick was not having it. He was just, at every turn he possibly could, he was aiming to punch uh, Mundo, and Mundo would get too close. Eventually, this comes back on him. The crew, for whatever reason, climb ladders at the speed of grandmothers. Did you notice that as well?
1: I think I noticed that in every cage, in every ladder match, in every wrestling promotion, and it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Yes. All the time.
0: Absolutely absolutely me is too if you want to make your ladder matches and your cage matches last longer book it in a way where someone doesn't have to climb at a snail's pace
1: like if they're that's if they have my like one a, piece
0: of advice to any promoters listening
1: like if they have a if you work the leg or there's some kind of story where there's a reason why they're slow like even stupid ones where the guy's scared of heights uh, like the Rhino yeah. versus the AJ match in TNA where they're on that giant X above the ring. Uh, even, yeah. even, even though it's corny, at least I can, at least there's a reason why it's slow. Uh, but yeah. when it's just like, you know, all of a sudden they're, you know, new to ladders, then it's kind of like, all right, you know, I know you're eating time and it sucks. It's a rest yeah. hold.
0: Yeah. So eventually Mundo finds his way in the ring, takes out Big Rick. Takes out the crew off of the ladders, climbs the ladder, grabs the briefcase, Johnny Mundo. He is 2-0 in matches involving not only Big Rick, because he did beat Big Rick by DQ, but also Prince Puma. So that's worth noting. He's 100000 dollars richer. All of a sudden, Dario Cueto looks like he wants to bury that bury the hatchet on his terms, of course. He congratulates Johnny, says, you know, you've got your money. Now give me give me the insurance policy. He wants his key back. By the way, the key was chilling on the ring post the whole time um why the crew didn't take that who knows whatever Um uh, have it your way i suppose supposedly yeah. they work for big yeah. rick
1: not for uh corn quato uh, remember he said that so yeah. maybe that is true
0: yeah i i trust dario quato as far as i could throw him
1: um, That's a good, <laughs> good way to look at it
0: yeah So, Cueto wants his key back, and then they'll be square, but he's, like, by the time he gets in the ring, he is like, demanding that Johnny put it around his neck. So, not only does he want the key back, he wants to emasculate Johnny in the process. He wants to, like, okay, even though you beat the crew and you beat Big Rick, I still own you. I'm still above you. And Mundo's not having it, so he takes the key and just clocks Cueto right in the face, man. This was nice. This was great uh, euphoria for fans of babyface wrestlers as far as i'm concerned
1: quay a good actor because he went down hard he did too he did the only thing i think would have made it
0: better is if the only thing that would have made it better in my opinion is if quayto would have bladed but you know (laughs) i'm just saying you you spin it the right way say like oh one of those edges on that key hit Queto in the wrong spot and now he's gushing
1: but whatever you could maybe uh, maybe he just didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's not a method. Actually. That's
0: I wouldn't blame him. Like I, w- I'd, I wouldn't necessarily want to blade either. But I'm saying as a viewer, I would have liked to have seen him blade. Oh, no, so. No. So, folks, that's that's the show this week, man. That's season one, episode seven. We've got just one episode between us and Aztec warfare. We may I, I can't promise anything, but we may have a guest lined up for that episode. No promises, Uh, no promises made whatsoever. None, but yeah, so we're gonna do what we always do. We're gonna give this a rating from one to
1: ten. Greg, I will let you start. Well, first, let me ask you at this point, is Johnny Mundo the ace of Lucha Underground? At this point,
0: well, okay, here's the thing at this point, yes, Johnny Mundo is the ace of Lucha Underground. And don't forget, we are the ace of podcasts. That—that's just truth, right? Yeah, I didn't
1: ask that because I already knew. But you know, well, as, far yeah, as Lucha of underground, course. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, say... Johnny
0: won't have that. Johnny, as you and I know, Johnny probably won't have that title for long. But yes, at this point, Johnny is the ace of Lucha
1: Underground. And that's not because he gets worse; it's just because other people get better. Mm-hmm.
0: Better, they get more exposure for sure
1: uh but yeah i i was actually higher on the show than you were this week we were talking about that uh before we recorded um yeah i am giving it a uh i'm gonna give it i was actually gonna give it higher but i'm actually going to give it a 7.5
0: oh my god that's that's really gracious in my opinion
1: i almost gave See,
0: it an eight <laughs> i I, again, there was nothing technically bad about this show, but two of the three matches had spots where they really dragged. And to me, you're always going to get points off for that. And for that reason, I am going And by the way, the two of three matches that dragged were Chavo and Phoenix and the main event. Um, that being said, I am going to go a wholesome 5 out of 10 on this week's oh, episode. wow.
1: Oh, damn. Yeah. You were hyping up this episode last week. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I here's the thing. I was so excited for the latter match, man. I really was. And then the shenanigans were just too drawn out, you know?
1: And, you know, you can't – and this is why I don't tell people why they're wrong with how they're rating, even if I disagree with them, because it's all about how you absorb the show. Because I think uh, you asked me earlier about TakeOver. I'm probably going to get crucified for that, but, uh, you know, it's it's all about how you absorb it. Because for me, it felt like the show flew by. When we got to the main event i was like holy crap we're at the main event already whereas you know it was slow for you and it, and it's nobody's right or wrong for how um you're wrong if you watch like a, a you know main event of a g1 climax and then go watch like a wwe raw like you're you're not going to enjoy it but it's it's you can't always control how you're going to absorb it and you know depending on how you feel it flows that's going to affect your grade or your rating for the show and you're not, you're not wrong if you found it to be average because there were some slow parts. It's just, for me, I, was, I really enjoyed some of the spots. And, uh, you know, the commentary wasn't as, <laughs> as bad for me this, this week. Um, but, yeah, I, that was a little bit of a rant. But, you know, what's great for one person isn't great for another.
0: Well, you know what? It's funny you say that because this is the internet. And I'm right and you're wrong. But um, all things considered... No, um, in all seriousness, no, I agree.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's all down to taste, which is ultimately, people try to be objective about ratings, uh, but Mm -hmm. it ultimately is subjective. It's taste. Yes.
0: Yes. I would absolutely agree. I would absolutely agree. So, man, I think that's pretty much the show. Yeah. Unlike, um, Unlike season one, episode seven of Lucha Underground, this episode flew by, in my opinion. <laughs> I am always glad to be on the uh, on the air here with you. I'm ready to do it again. To do it again next week. Hopefully, by the next time we record, the Braves will uh, either have won the next round or be in a favorable position in the next round of the playoffs. We'll see. All things considered, I am Caleb B. I have always, as always, been joined by the man known as Maserati. Do not forget, without a shadow of a doubt, that we are the true. Ace of podcasts, folks. We are not alone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. There are plenty of other great shows on here. None as great as ours, of course. But we have on this lineup a bivy of great shows, including Eight Bit Suplex, Suplex, hosted by Sandy Gaviria and Josh McLaughlin, even though he hates me for some reason. We also have All Things Elite, hosted by Austin S. and my boy, my fellow Oki Floyd Johnson Jr. Again, that's all things elite. That covers AEW and it does it in a damn good way. We got Get in the Ring, DJ Cooks, great host. Also, he hosts a show called The Great Match Generator. And I believe uh once or twice you've been on that show, if I'm not mistaken, right, Greg?
1: I was on the first one. We've
0: also got Grown Men Watch This Shit. Again, that's James Vanderbeek and Chris Bryan. Two great guys, in my opinion. Another show. Uh New Japan Centric. Keeping it strong style, hosted by Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh Smith, couple of great guys in my opinion. Lo- loads of great people on this network. If you if you notice the theme, also of course we got the OGs of Social Suplex. We got One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd, every Sunday on the network. We've also got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Last but not least, I love those guys. They're my homies from Scotland. Ricky, you are one handsome devil, and you guys put on a great podcast. And always remember to listen to the Grave Consequences podcast, or there will be grave consequences.